0: I remember I lost my faith in a belief in a creator or a God when I was inundated in the high school sciences learning inundated with Darwinian evolution. And I thought the Christians who believe in a God or in the Genesis account must be foolish or completely rejecting all the clear evidence that's around them. Many of those who fall into atheism and walk away from the church often can be traced back to their high school sciences where they were just inundated with Darwin's theory.
1: Darwin, or design, where does the evidence point? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Christian scholar, speaker, and apologist, Dr. Pat Zukarin. Today, you'll hear Pat before a live audience evaluating the Darwinian evolutionary theory of life and the view that life is the result of intelligent design. And by the way, there is much material on this topic you can access at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Not only can you download today's program, but past programs dealing with everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. You'll find Dr. Zuckerman's articles, interviews with leading scholars, his latest book, The Apologetics of Jesus, and more resources that will educate and inspire you in your quest for truth. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now let's go to part two of Pat Zuckerman's teaching on darwin or design
0: psalm 19 states the heavens declare the glory of god the skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day they pour forth speech night after night they display knowledge and the purpose of our study of the sciences as christians is to discover and explore the wonderful design and the mind of the creator few realize that the foundation of the modern sciences were established by men who believed in a creator, who created the universe and set it in order. Their goal was to discover the design of the designer. Here are just a few of the great minds of modern times who laid the foundations for many of the modern sciences. Johannes Kepler, considered one of the greatest scientists of modern times, He's the father of celestial mechanics and physical astronomy. Blaise Pascal, the father of hydrostatistics. Robert Boyle, the father of modern chemistry and gas dynamics. Sir so Isaac Newton, probably one of the top five scientists of all time, the father of calculus. Charles Babbage, the father of computer science. And the list just goes on and on. Louis Pasteur, the father of bacteriology. Lord Kelvin, the father of energetics and thermodynamics and the list just continues to go on. The foundation of the modern sciences were founded by men who had a strong belief in a creator. Johannes Kepler writes this, May God make it come to pass that my delightful speculation in the Mysterium Cosmographicum have everywhere among reasonable men Fully the effect which I strove to obtain in the publication, namely that the belief in the creator of the world be fortified through his external support. Isaac Newton, probably one of the greatest minds of all time, says this. It is not to be conceived that mere mechanical causes could give birth to so many regular motions since the comets range over all parts of the heavens in very eccentric orbits. This most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Now, however, although the sciences were dominated by men and women who believed in a creator, it was quickly hijacked by two non-scientists named Darwin and Huxley. In fact, today, Darwin remains one of the most influential theories of our time, not just in the sciences, but this theory permeates in many areas of study. Darwin's theory is taught as the only viable explanation for the origin and diversity of life. And those of you going into the sciences or who are in the sciences often find an underlying hostility anyone who believes in a God or a creator or intelligent design. For this reason, it's important to understand this theory and how it impacts our faith and how we as Christians should respond intelligently to the challenge which Darwinism poses. Now, many Christians mistakenly believe they can believe in all aspects of Darwin's theory and hold consistently to their faith in God's word, the Bible. However, this is a false premise. Let me explain why. Now Darwin's theory is a comprehensive philosophy stating that all life can be explained by natural causes acting randomly. It's an explanation, a theory that attempts to explain the origin and the diversity of life without God. If God did not create the world, then the entire body of Christian belief then collapses. Dr. William Provine, a spokesman for Darwinism, a professor at Cornell University, states this okay, that Darwinism ultimately means no life after death, no absolute foundation for right and wrong, no ultimate meaningful life, no free will. That's the implications of Darwinism. It's a comprehensive theory stating that all life can be explained by natural causes, and therefore, there is no need for God. In fact, those who hold strictly to Darwinism are very antagonistic to the idea that a God or a Creator exists. Richard Dawkins, Oxford University professor and biologist, and probably the chief spokesman for Darwinism featured in the movie Expelled which came out recently and he uh, wrote one of the best-selling books called The God Delusion and he states this, the more you understand the significance of evolution, the more you are pushed away from an agnostic position towards atheism. Buying into Darwinian evolution therefore can have a very corrosive effect on your faith in Christ because you see Darwin's theory contradicts what the Bible teaches. It directly contradicts the Genesis account. Genesis states that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Darwinism teaches that the universe began as a cosmic accident and life on this planet is just a result of random chance. In other words, there is no ultimate purpose for your existence. There's no reason why you are placed here in the universe. There's really no ultimate meaning for your life. You are merely an accident and eventually you're gonna die and cease to exist. Eventually the universe is going to expand and come to a state of what's called final entropy and the universe is gonna die. So what difference did it ever make that we were ever here? I mean, Our ultimate end is extinction. So what difference did it ever make that we were here? You're gonna have to conclude there's no ultimate meaning for our existence. Genesis teaches that God created the universe he created each one of us for a purpose and he created this universe for us to enjoy his creation and to explore his design. Our life has meaning if Genesis is true our lives have no ultimate meaning if Darwinism is true. Genesis teaches that After the death of the physical body, we exist in an eternal state. Darwinism teaches the only thing we have to look forward to, the only certainty that we have is our death, our extinction, the extinction of those we love and the extinction of mankind and eventually the universe. Now one important thing to understand is that Darwin's theory remains a theory, although in our high schools and universities, it is taught as a fact. It remains a theory. And unfortunately, it's taught as the only viable explanation for the origin and diversity of life. However, Darwin's theory has failed to present a conclusive case for the origin and diversity of life. It remains a theory with several significant flaws which makes it a theory in crisis. Now, in order to understand the flaws of Darwin's theory, we must first understand some key terms. First, evolution, microevolution and macroevolution. These are three key terms you got to understand if you're going to understand Darwin's theory and the flaws and the significant flaws that are in his theory. First, evolution. Now, the problem here is that a vague definition is given and many of these definitions are used interchangeably when we're talking about evolution, which confuses the issue. Often you'll hear the definition that evolution means change over time. That's a very imprecise, vague definition. If evolution means change over time, we're all evolutionists. There's nothing we disagree on. Of course things change over time. However, that's often the definition that you hear. Darwinian evolution, this is the definition. According to the National Association of Biology Teachers, the diversity of life on Earth is the outcome of evolution. An unsupervised, impersonal, unpredictable, and natural process of temporal descent with genetic modification that is affected by natural selection, chance, historical contingencies, and changing environments. In other words, evolution teaches that the origin and diversity of life is the result of random chance. It is an undirected, impersonal process. There is no supernatural creator or intelligence behind the universe or behind creation or behind our existence. This is all a product of natural, uh, it's it's a natural process, a product of random chance. Evolution is the belief that undirected mechanistic processes can account for all the diverse and complex living organisms that exist. There is no long-range plan or purpose in the history of life. That is what we mean when we're talking about Darwinian evolution. It's not simply change over time. Darwinian evolution is teaching that the origin and diversity of life is the result of natural processes. It's a completely undirected, impersonal process that leaves out the possibility of an intelligent creator behind the universe, behind life, and behind our existence. George Gaylord Simpson, the architect of Neo-Darwinism, states, man is the result of a purposeless and natural process that did not have him in mind. Jacques Monod states, man must understand that he is a mere accident. So that's one of the key things you must understand. When we're talking about evolution, we're not talking about simply change over time. That's what we're talking about and the implications are quite significant. Second, you've got to understand that there's two kinds of evolution, microevolution and macroevolution. Now, the trouble is, these two are used interchangeably, and that's where a lot of the confusion takes place. Darwin thought what you would have is a tree of life, that you could be able to trace these transitional forms, and they would form this tree pattern leading back to the one-cell form of life. However, instead, what you have is something that puzzles evolutionists. You have what's called the Cambrian explosion. And for nearly four and a half billion years, there's very little life upon the earth. Suddenly, about five to six hundred million years ago, boom, the earth explodes with life. All the phyla, all the species suddenly appear. Uh, here's another graphic that uh, might portray it better. For nearly four billion years, there's very little life upon the earth. Then, suddenly, about six million. Uh, 600 million, 500 million years ago, boom, suddenly, the species suddenly appear. 1995, Time magazine did a featured article on evolution's Big Bang, hey, and it states that new discoveries show that life as we know it began in an amazing biological frenzy that changed the planet almost overnight. Hey, The Cambrian Explosion, something that continues to puzzle evolutionists to this day, it shows that... All the species suddenly, boom, they just appeared and they have remained in their form until this day. Evolutionist Jeffrey Schwartz states this, the major animal groups appear in the fossil record as Athena did from the head of Zeus, full blown and raring to go. So those are some of the flaws, major flaws in Darwinian evolution. Something you're not going to learn in college or in high school. They refuse to present this. But here some of the major flaws, and if they are not resolved, the theory does not work. That's why it still remains a theory. Now, I've presented a couple major, major flaws in Darwin's theory. What about the evidence for an intelligent designer? Do we have compelling evidence for that? I'm going to say yes. I think the evidence is overwhelming. It's very compelling for an intelligent designer. Okay? Now, time does not allow me to... Present all the evidence for an intelligent designer, but since we're talking about the sciences, I'll just talk about one. As we study the universe, we are discovering evidence for design in every realm of the sciences. The more we discover in science, the more we're discovering intelligent design. This is called the teleological argument or the argument from design. Basically, it goes like this if you're on an abandoned island and you see this in the sand, a watch, what do you automatically conclude? Someone dropped it. There's someone else on this island. You wouldn't assume that the wind, the waves, the the lightning, and the sand created this through natural processes, would you? You could assume that all the parts of a watch are found upon this earth. You could assume, but what's the more reasonable, what's the more logical explanation? Well, someone dropped it. There might be someone else on that island. Now, when you see complexity and ordered design, that points to intelligent design. And we see that in all aspects of the sciences. For example, those of you going into biology, those of you that that study the human body, it's an incredible machine, much more complex than a watch. Carl Sagan, the atheist or agnostic, states this. He noted that the genetic information in the brain, expressed in bits, is probably comparable to the total number of connections among neurons, about 100 trillion, 10 to the 14th power, in bits. If written out in English, that information would fill some 20 million volumes. He says, the brain is a very big place in a very small space. The neurochemistry of the brain is astonishingly busy, the circuitry of a machine more wonderful than any devised by humans. We've yet to create a computer that can do what the human brain can do. Right, a human brain is a small thing. It's about four to five pounds right there in your head. Yet this is an amazing, amazing machine. If we don't believe a watch can come about by the natural process, how much more something like a human brain? I mean, we've yet to create a robot that can do what the human body can do those of you going into microbiology and genetics okay, this whole fascinating field one of the strongest evidences today of design is DNA it's a highly complex informational code okay, and where you see information it points to intelligent design atheist Richard Dawkins author of the book God Delusion says the DNA code is computer-like he says here the machine code of the gene of the genes is uncannily computer-like. The pages of a molecular biology journal might be interchanged with those of a computer engineering journal. A cell nucleus has more information. and If written out in book form, it would fill more than 30 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica. That's how much information is in just one cell of your body. Darwin's theory of evolution has a very difficult time explaining how this kind of complexity and order can come about through the natural process. Which one is more reasonable? To conclude, an intelligent designer is behind this or that it all comes about by random chance? Those of you going into physics and astronomy, we are learning that to have life upon this earth it's highly, highly unlikely that it came about by chance. The probability of that is almost a mathematical zero. A lot of things had to go right in the universe for us just to have life upon this earth. Dr. Hugh Ross cites nearly 59 different specific aspects that must occur in the universe in order for us to have life upon this earth. The probability of that happening by chance is very, very small. The presence of liquid water is a necessary condition for life, but it's not a sufficient condition.
1: After all, there may be liquid water under the frozen surfaces of Mars and Jupiter's moon Europa. But there's very little chance that complex life exists in either of these places. You see, contrary to what the Copernican Principle might suggest, the recipe for life is much more complex than just add water.
2: If a recipe for a planet capable of supporting complex life really did exist, then more ingredients beyond liquid water might be required. The list of necessary factors continues to grow.
1: A lot of things went right on Earth to have uh, yielded complex life, absolutely.
0: The number of factors that have been postulated um, has grown.
2: Currently the typical number you would see is, in a typical list, would have something like 20. We find that we need to be at the right location in the galaxy, that we're inside the circumstellar habitable zone of the star, that we're in a planetary system with giant planets that can shield the inner planets from too many comet impacts. That we're orbiting the right kind of star. It's not too cool or not too hot. That we're on a planet that has a moon that can stabilize the tilt of its axis. That we're on a planet that's a terrestrial planet. A planet that has a crust that's just thick enough that it can maintain plate tectonic activity. That it has enough heat in its interior that it's still circulating its liquid iron core so it can generate a magnetic field. That it has an atmosphere that has enough oxygen to allow for complex organisms to survive, that it has enough water and enough continents to allow for the diversity of life or an active biosphere that we need to support complex creatures such as ourselves. All these factors have to be met at one place and time in the galaxy if you're gonna have a planet as habitable as the Earth.
0: That video clip was from the DVD that we have outside there called The Privileged Planet. Uh, it was shown at the Smithsonian Institute under much protest and great controversy, but it's by the Discovery Institute. The more we're discovering about life on Earth, the more and more we're figuring out that it's highly unlikely there's life on other planets. This one is very, very unique. So many things had to fall into place exactly in precise order in order for us to have life. The right location in the galaxy, the right distance from the sun, the right speed of rotation the right elliptical orbit around the sun the moon is in the exact is the exact size we need in the exact location that we need jupiter protects us from meteors and asteroids there's just a whole host of factors that went right that allowed us to have life upon this earth and you adjust it just a little bit and life would not be possible upon this earth that's how precise it is for us to have life upon this earth now To say that that all came about by chance, the probability of that is very unlikely. What's the more reasonable conclusion? Well, it's probably more reasonable to conclude an intelligent designer put it all together. Well, as we end, let me give you some applications. First of all, as Christians, we need to understand the theory of Darwin's evolutionary system because it's one of the major challenges to our faith in Christ. A lot of the dismantling of people's belief in the Bible and in Jesus Christ came as the result of their biology class in high school and starting, in studying Darwinian evolution. I remember I lost my faith in a belief in a creator or a God when I was inundated in the high school sciences, learning inundated with Darwinian evolution. And I thought the Christians who believe in a God or in the Genesis account must be foolish or completely rejecting all the clear evidence that's around them. Many of those who fall into atheism and walk away from the church often can be traced back to their high school sciences where they were just inundated with Darwin's theory. Learn the theory and understand the challenge and know the basic flaws in the theory and how to answer that challenge. Number two, when you're in class, for for you students who are continuing to learn this system Don't sit there and challenge the professor or the teacher. They don't like rude students. But instead, learn to ask very good questions. Often, by asking good questions, you can expose some of the flaws in the theory there. And professors and teachers, we love being asked questions. And often, there's the questions we can't answer. We're going to research and find the answer. And there have been several stories of students who have led their teachers to Christ just as a result of asking good questions. And the teacher said, hey, I'll get back to you on that. And as they did the research, they came to a position of an intelligent creator and eventually faith in Christ. And finally, learn Darwin's theory of evolution. Learn it well. Why? Because if you're going to answer the challenges to Darwin's theory, you better know it so that you are not attacking a straw man. Now, there are some great resources out there for you. them today, uh, the Discovery Institute. Probe Ministries, probe.org, the Creation Research Institute here in Irving, many great resources for you to equip you to answer the challenges that Darwinian evolutionary poses. As Christians, we want to meet this challenge and address it intelligently and with integrity. Let's close in prayer together. Father, we thank you that your word is true. Thank you for the evidence. That you exist in creation, that we are not simply an accident in time and space, that you created us for a purpose. And each one here, discover your design and the purpose that you have created them to fulfill. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Just a reminder that you can download today's program at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find resources on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. Not only will you educate yourself, but by purchasing our resources, you'll keep evidence and answers on the air and expanding around the world as we present and defend the claims of Jesus Christ and His life-changing power. And parents and grandparents, you'll want to equip your children with the very interesting resources at evidenceandanswers.org, especially your young people who are in colleges and universities or who are planning to go. Send them strong and equipped with good information so that they may withstand the aggressive attack on their worldview. Thank you so much for your prayers and support for this vital ministry. That's evidenceandanswers.org. For Dr. Pat Zuckerin. I'm Kevin Harris. We'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers.